Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. We have a guest joining us in the studio. His name is Irongu Nyakera. He is the party leader of the Farmers Party. He's here because we want to talk about farmers and farmers growing food so that food becomes cheap and the cost of production becomes affordable and also farmers make money. Irongu, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Kenya's biggest conversation. <laughs> Welcome to the hot seat of the situation room. Asante, Asante, Asante. Happy to be here this morning. Very good. Is it as cold out there as it is in here? Actually, it isn't. Uh, and also, it's not rainy. Yeah. Uh, I think the rains keep coming and going. Okay. <laughs> they need to be tell us what is the plan. So, it's, it's a better morning today uh, than it was yesterday. Not so, um, the other day, we saw, okay, first, cost of living. Unga and other commodity <coughs> prices very high. The government has been saying it's deploying interventions. And those interventions include... What they're saying is we want to import grain into the country so that then we can, and well, duty-free grain. When we import duty-free grain, then we are able to supply to um, our millers, add into the market, and that should stabilize the prices. Okay? And already some grain has started arriving in the country. But then the government has also said, we have also realized that actually the global market for maize specifically is quite tight. Because many of the countries that are producing maize are saying they did not get a good harvest in the last harvest. So they are not really looking, they're not keen on exporting. There was a story yesterday, Zambia saying, the agriculture minister for Zambia saying, we're not going to export our grain because we don't have sufficient. We have seen others, it's the same. So maize has been an issue. Our agriculture CS goes to Zambia and strikes a deal with the government of Zambia. And the government of Zambia allocates Kenya some 49,000 prime land touching tarmac with a river in between and all those things. <laughs> and says, Lakini Izo must use a plot. Musikatakate 50 by 100. Is it a touching tarmac. No, 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 no. This one you grow maize. And the maize that you harvest from here you can then export it. It will be considered as Kenyan maize. Okay? You can export it, take it to your country. The agriculture minister has said he's then now looking to contract farmers, uh, big farmers in Zambia, who will get into that 49,000 acres, grow maize. In three months' time, maize is harvested. Maize gets onto the Tazara Railway, gets to Tanzania, trucks, gets to border. Ikifika tuna manga hivi, unga 60 bob. These farmers are not happy with that city. You know, mm. this story of maize, more maize, no maize. If you just go three years, two years into history, mm. we were talking about a glut country that produced maize. This same Zambia did not know what to do with their maize. Now, a question I ask is, okay, so when you have an overproduction, what do you do? You don't have the capacity to store it. Mm. Now, a country like China does precisely that. They store. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And they, if you're talking about stocks, they probably have the largest stock of maize on the planet. Mm. 
So, when one talks about even Kenya, when we have a situation where we have more maize than we know what to do with, we have National Cities and Produce Board. Mm. You keep asking the question, there are these things we refer to as best practices. Why is it that we are not doing this? Why is it that we, you know, we move from one season of abundance to abject poverty, the next one, to the point where we don't even know what to do with ourselves, surely? And then you have ministries that deal with agriculture. Then you have a whole ministry that deals with planning. You have another ministry that deals with God knows what is supposed to relate to all these things. So you have to ask the question, so should we collapse these ministries and send everybody home? This man... Yes. Was once a minute the PS for planning. Why do you think I've taken that discussion in the, in the why do you think I've taken that discussion in that direction? Because <laughs> he was once PS for planning. <laughs> Let's start with Sasa <laughs> Tuko <laughs> Had you planned for this? <laughs> the, the beauty is mm. actually most of those things that we are talking about are planned mm. because we are a country that plans. The problem is we do not implement the plans. Yeah. Mm. Um, when we talk about the imports, uh, we don't, uh, the issue of importing maize uh, in the current season, duty-free, nobody has an issue with that. Yeah, uh, Because we find ourselves in the situation and the circumstances we are in where there's a maize shortage. And the only solution for that shortage, at least in the short term, is the importation. The problem we have is the long term. Uh, because uh, the long term plan cannot be going to Zambia to lease land mm. yeah land Zambia has uh, three three point eight million uh, arable uh, hectares of arable land Kenya has five point eight million uh, hectares of arable, arable land meaning we have two million hectares more than, than Zambia, Zambia. Mm. yeah and what you are going to lease is fifty thousand yeah <laughs> surely Galanakulalu is 1.75 million hectares. You've not even gone to Bura. Yeah? All these actually lay, lay, lying bare. Mm. If you talk of Galanakulalu, mm. uh, this is a project that was initiated in 2014. Uh, it's 1.75 million, but the initially was intended for uh, 1 million mm. uh, being put under, under, under uh, irrigation. irrigation and uh, maize uh, for, for a large uh, percentage of it. Uh, we came in, we brought the Israelis, uh, the Green Avant, and uh, we gave them a contract to start to do for us a demo farm of 10,000 acres. After they, they, we sank in about 7.2 billion, I think almost 8 billion, uh, part of it from the Israeli government, part of it from National Irrigation Board, the project failed. But at the point of failure, uh, a lot of it was said that there are cartels uh, who uh, used to import the maize and all that. And uh, yeah, there, there's a reason that it failed. Mm. But we were able to produce about 32 uh, bags per acre at that point. Yeah, They were targeting 40 bags, 35 to 40 bags per acre. Yeah, It means that it's actually viable. The project yeah. is viable. The project is viable. Is the implementation that was wrong this year in January? Uh, the president went to Galanakulalu. I uh, went with the uh, with these guys with a contractor. I also went with uh, these uh, the the Twiga Foods, mm. yeah. And it was agreed that uh, immediately that there are two things that are required one is to do up a very big dam. Uh, for about uh, 30 or 40 billion, uh, which was to be done on PPP, mm. and uh, then the contractor was to 
to release to get uh, about five or ten thousand acres ready immediately. So that is what I will see as a long-term plan. Yeah. So that's why when for us when we saw that the minister, yeah, uh, on a statement saying that uh, for the short-term plan we are importing, but for the long term we have agreed with Zambia that we will be growing maize there. You see, at Anafikiria, when I go to church and praying for bounty in this country, and I will be saying, God, help the rains in Kenya and Zambia. Eh? Please allow us to just pray for one country. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> we can't be praying for two countries. <laughs> but uh, to, let me just ask this question. You know, the, whenever we are told about the failure of the Galana Kulalu project, a lot of things are said about it. Um, that's not my interest. This project was nestled in the Tana Delta, is it not? Yes. What do you need the dam for? What do you need the irrigation for? Just explain to me because the thing that that place doesn't lack is water. Yes. So when you say you want to build a dam, when you say you want to have irrigation, what are you saying? We want to use the water that exists there to do all these things. Yes. And in the absence of what we are, we are suggesting, this thing cannot work. Is that what we are saying? No, you see, the, the, the irrigation essentially is to create a dam to trap the water, and then that water can now be reticulated uh, across the vast uh, lands. You see? It can the, be harnessed and then yes, controlled. Yes, then reticulated. You yes. see, right now it's just it's a just river, flowing. so it's just flowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you need to be able to now contain it in large uh amounts yeah, because it just crosses to the indian ocean and then now so that the entire one million acres that has initially been demarcated now can people downstream uh, and across can be able to access that water mm. and that and that can actually be done even by ppp mm. yeah right now. because the farmers whoever if uh, the, the like the initial galanakulalu they trained 250 farmers in israel yeah, uh, who are supposed to come in and uh, through that uh, acquired skill to come in to, uh, to, to be allocated uh, the land to be able to farm. So if we say like uh, this many youth that can be given five, five acres or 10 acres or 50 acres, yeah, and they are trained, they are the ones who will be paying for that water. So as part of their costs, they will know the water that I'm, I'm getting from the dam, I'll be paying so much for a per cubic meter but then the water will be available is this the same region where some middle eastern country at some point had wanted to lease land in? yes yes yeah. actually it was it was Qatar. Uh, and i think also uh, was it kuwait that they had wanted to actually lease that whole piece uh, for to grow food for themselves mm. yeah this whole agenda i think that's where it came from <laughs> <laughs> but 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 we have seen <laughs> but we have seen seen yeah the countries like uh, saudi arabia are now growing wheat in the deserts yes they are yeah through desalination of ocean water yes yeah you can imagine how expensive that is we've seen egypt building a 35 kilometers river yeah costing 58 billion dollars exactly 174. Yeah, 174 in total yes. Yes. yeah mm. but the, yeah so costing 58 billion dollars mm. yeah to be able to increase the land under cultivation mm. those are the short, long term that's what long term means of course egypt has a capacity of going to south sudan 
the source of the Nile and telling them you're not using your land, we want a million acres. Yeah, and they'll get it because South Sudan is not using it. But they don't because a country that cannot feed itself is not free. Mm. Yeah. If you're growing food in Zambia and Zambia has a shortage, they will tell you, unfortunately, you can, your, your maize cannot leave uh, Zambia. Yeah, because even our people are hungry. Yeah. So leave it here. We'll compensate you another year. Yes. Mm. Or we increase the taxes on it so that you cannot or not move it. So that capacity has to be built in Kenya. And we have enough land for that. Yeah. La Zambia is a landlocked country. You can imagine how will we get fertilizer to Zambia if we can't get it to Kenya. Yeah. On Tazara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If we believe that Zambia has such good policies that can get us more uh, more maize per per per, per, per acre, per acre. And the, CS, cost. the CS is government. Bring those policies here, localize them. But yeah? you, don't, you know, you know, the discussion is actually incomplete in my mind. You know why? If you're saying they have three harvests in a year, does it then not speak of the type of grain that you use. Uh, yes, it may be the place that you plant. Because I know, for instance, in the Wasingishu area, they harvest probably once a year. Mm. Okay. Now, where I come from, a place called Muhoroni, we harvest maize twice a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, are we saying that there are no parts of this country where you can plant a certain variety of maize seed and get three uh, harvests a year if it is possible? I mean, we have Calro that does these things. Be, be, uh, my personal belief is that there exists not only the technology, but the knowledge to do exactly what we're saying they want to do in Zambia. Absolutely. In this Absolutely. And you see, um, the, the reason why we have one or two uh, seasons is because it, it goes with the rain patterns. Yes. But if you irrigate it, it yeah, then you can have rain, uh, maize whenever you want. Mm -hmm. yeah? And that's the purpose of the Galana Kulalu. Yeah, because you can shorten the 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 the, the period uh, with the calro and all this uh, to three months. Yeah, mm. and also the fact that the water is available full time, then you can be able to do it for even four times a year. This one you get it out, put the next one. Yeah, mm. so the capacity is there. It's the will. Yeah, because if we are willing to go spend money in Zambia, then we should be willing to spend that money uh, here in Kenya. I want to ask a question that relates to your immediate previous former position as planning. Planning is in, well, we pl I'm told as a layman that people plan in various stages as immediate, medium term, long term. Now, would you say that in the time when you were PS in that particular ministry, that we had mapped out the plans we have for this country what, for the next 10, 20, 30 years? What, what had we done? Yes, we, we, we operate under the uh, uh, Vision 2030 blueprint. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are, we are almost there. We are seven years to go. This is the final. So, uh, so everything which relates to this country, whether it's agriculture, whether it's industry, whether it's education, all those things have been planned for up until that particular point. Until 2030, yes. Beyond that, we have not planned. All right. Yeah, now, so... If, if, if we go into the details of our planning, it also means, therefore, that we plan for the eventuality that, or the possibility that there might be a drought. Mm -hmm. We plan for the possibility that we may, we may have more rain than we know what to do with. Yes. Simply because we are often told by the experts that expect this. And these days, 
the science of uh, predicting whether or not have is, is fairly accurate. Yes. If you're told it will happen, it will happen. Mm. Okay? Now, if we have all those plans in place, then you say it's the will. But beyond the will, do these plans need an optimum or do they need a perfect condition for them to be implemented? Or do they also take care of certain vagaries that may not have been foreseen? For instance, we didn't foresee COVID. This very long drought, maybe we did not foresee. Mm -hmm. How do you ensure that the plans, if implemented, work? That's really what I'm asking. You see, the issue, as you said, is not in the planning. The plans are there. Actually, we have beautiful plans. I don't think there is anyone who has better plans than us. The failure is in the implementation. When you're talking about cereal, we have the NCPB, National Cereal Produce Board. Mm. They, uh, it's supposed to uh, be, be what exactly what you had said about what China does. Uh, it's for them to buy, to keep stock, and to ensure that they plan on stocking it for us. Uh, but a lot of uh, issues come uh, that uh, the, the whole issue of cartels. Yeah, there are people who do not want there to be stocks. Yeah, so that to allow them to keep. Uh, they're in the business of importing. They're waiting. They want uh, the cereal board to be saying we have cereal for another one month. Yeah. And after that, Kenyans, you can go starve or eat yams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the government comes in and says, you guys, Kenyans can't eat yams. So you guys go ahead. Import. <laughs> bring, bring the maize. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there has to be the, the implementation <laughs> is really where this thing is hurting. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those organizations have to be put to task. Yeah. They have to be put into serious task because serious board can be surely how. They were buying, uh, they were refusing to buy maize from farmers at 3,000 shillings last year. Right now, it's 5,000 shillings. Yeah. And they bought maize at 5,000. They've bought maize at 5,000, even more. When you add duty, it's coming to about 6,000. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, and at this point, they will still say that they don't have money for that. So, so I think the, the catalyzation of that whole sector is what needs to be looked into. You know, I'm looking at uh, our food production and food security. And I'm looking at the county governments. Mm -hmm. Now, when we plan, now that we do have county governments, how exactly does the national government ensure that the planning cascades into the counties and that they're implemented? Because government is in charge of policy, even if mm. a ministry is devolved into the county system, yeah. but still the government is in charge of policy. I'm mm. saying this because even when we talk of farming mm -hmm. and outputs, it's within counties. Yeah. And so the counties ought to have a say. Yes, counties have the CIDPs, the County Integrated Development Plans, plans yes. yeah, which then uh, is a cas a cas uh, the cascading of the national plans mm -hmm. into the into, into the counties. Mm -hmm. uh, the the unfortunate thing then comes in is is, uh, is uh, which areas are devolved. Agriculture is devolved, but uh, the food security is not. Food mm. security still sits under the national government. Yeah. yeah? Uh, and the issues of agriculture that are devolved are, is everything other than policy. So policy still sits with the national government. Uh, counties uh, can't really do much. Uh, I've, I've seen that they are not even able to pay salaries. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's that detail, isn't it? Mm. Eric? They haven't paid, isn't it? Yeah. They haven't received a shilling from, yeah, the, so from yeah. December. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And the story of own source revenue at best is usually vague. Mm. Yes. It's not vague. Is because they keep it vague because they steal it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they steal it as source at the markets. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's really they budget for it, but they don't. They collect it and, and buy it they, they themselves. Eat it. They eat it. Yeah. 
Mm. Yeah, and that happens when you're not getting money from the national government to steal. Mm. Mm. So you steal what's available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you you find that uh, the issue then at county even operational mm. they can't operate. But then if you look at now let's just look at it from this angle. Devolution no. Agriculture is devolved. Yes. Policy is still national. national. And it makes sense for policy to be national yeah. because you're looking countrywide, you're looking food security, national, fine. At the county level, with all these devolved functions, shouldn't it be that now counties are talking about how they can support farmers so that then farmers can produce, how they can support farmers to produce uh, food cheaply or more affordably so that the money, is, food is available in the market? Why is the failure when we get to a point where we actually don't even have... We are importing grain, we are importing maize, we are looking to, to import beans, we are importing rice, we are buying rice from the farmers here, but we are still importing more. What's, fa- what's, what's, you see, the, what's the, the weak link? The, the failure, the failure in our agriculture mm. uh, could partly be on the devolution itself. Mm. Uh, before devolution, we had extension service uh, services and extension service workers. Before yeah. devolution? Before devolution, that was before the new century. That was no, that one was immediately after independence, and then it, yes, it, it, I mean, it, it disappeared. <laughs> it's been there for a very long time. On yeah. paper, uh, actually, I remember mm. myself, uh, even these uh, the the veterinary, not veterinary. We used to have this agriculture yeah, extension office. Used to be called Grigasha. Grigasha. Yes. They were coming uh, at home, even uh, as late as by the time I was leaving the country in 2000. Mm. They were there. They were coming for the tea factory, tea uh, for our maize, for their uh, animals. Uh, the the cows. They are the ones who even help to move us from the uh, the ngombes with the humps. Mm. Eh? <laughs> I think there was a Sahiwals <laughs> yes. uh, to the Frisians. Mm. Yeah. So so it was there and it was working. Mm. Yeah, uh, they're the ones who are helping us on uh, enhance our yields. Uh, know the kind of uh, the, the, the 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 grain uh, yep. to plant. Yep. The, the, have the, seed. the the seeds, the the uh, the practices, the farming practices, and so when agriculture was devolved, it was extension services was actually one of the key things. Yeah, because then uh, the counties are able to appreciate and understand exactly what can be grown there. Mm. Yeah. And have those extension uh, workers guide the farmers on the same. Mm. But that's one thing that has never picked up. Uh, picked up. But yeah. then, and this is where the argument is, that actually these extension services had collapsed even before devolution came in. So, otherwise, counties would have just inherited the extension workers into the county system. There was nobody to inherit. But they inherited the function. Mm. They inherited the function, they did, but not the yeah. officers. They did. Yeah. So. If you inherit the function and you genuinely want uh, to get it to work, mm. yeah, you will you will put it to work before you look for other things to do, mm. yeah. So, and if agriculture for, for some of these counties, the mainstay is agriculture. I'm saying that coming from Muranga, mm. yeah. The uh, across you're talking Transoya, you're talking all these other counties that actually are producing the food for our country mm. and they're the majority of them yeah for the that covers that uh 10.2 percent of our arable land yeah then if we now got the extension services to work mm. then we'd be seeing uh the yields going up we'll see the the kind of uh produce that is put uh by, by the farmers to ensure that uh we not just on subsistence the farmers whatever they are putting up is something that gives them money mm. 
yeah and uh delivers good deals and also for our country uh, helps us uh, becoming food sufficient so i think that was a ranking last year that we were the 129th hungriest uh, country because we cannot feed ourselves yeah so when we see such headlines what does it uh, what does it speak uh, to us yeah that. does it tell us uh, change the way you're doing things or does it tell us go to zambia <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's part of the change because soon it will say for pakistan we'll lease land to grow our rice or mm. to a relax yeah. we no longer need your rice tutajenga manyumba tutajenga manyumba it's 26 minutes to 8 let's take a break irongo nyakera is a party leader of farmers party he was a candidate in the gubernatorial election for muranga county what number were you I, i can't remember no, okay. that's not one okay <laughs> <laughs> and previously irongo served as a ps in the uhuruto administration uh, serving as ps for planning and uh, before that ps for transport Correct. Kenya's biggest conversation continues shortly. This is the Situation Room, the only way to start your day. Conversation continues with the Farmers Party leader Irongo Nyakera, who's here to talk about our food security in the country and what it is that farmers ought to be getting in terms of support so they can do this. One of the things that the CS for Agriculture said is the cost of production in Zambia is ridiculously low. He was talking about something like is it uh, $30 per ton or $300 but something that is just amazing how would they get to such low production prices is it because their land is arable and still virgin hasn't been spoiled or what else or is it that they are very heavily subsidized could be both mm-hmm. could be both actually uh, and and also you see there is there is that the cost uh, of production Uh, but then you also need to be told the costs to get it to Kenya hmm. because you remember Zambia is a landlocked country yeah so uh, getting it again on the rail from Tazara uh, to uh, to Beira uh, or to Tanzania then on the ships or the trucks or to to, 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 to Mombasa you may find that it increases the cost but uh, the uh, the one is if you it depends on the bags per acre yeah because the more bags per acre you get the cheaper it becomes yeah yeah so for us i know like back in moranga we we usually do when you're doing very well you're doing like three bags <laughs> an acre <laughs> an acre yeah <laughs> uh, because of the poor uh, what farming did you practices. do to your soils yeah mm. poor farming practices mm. uh, then of course the issue of fertilizer uh fertilizer is too expensive right now yeah. it's going for almost 7000 shillings so you'll find that most farmers are not using it uh the issues of uh if you, you decide to use uh manure uh probably uh, not doing it as much because also it's quite expensive mm. uh, so you find that then the uh the 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 yields uh come down so mm. what we need to do is get the right uh grains and uh, uh using caldro and the others to give us for the different climates like the way we used to have katumani for the dry areas mm-hmm. yeah um with that then it will increase our yields two the issues of uh the inputs bringing down the cost of inputs yeah because you see when we when we buy when we import the things that we uh, we, we we do even import the inflation mm-hmm. it's it's what's bringing up uh the pressure on our dollar so that loss that we would have made by the dollar weakening we can actually put that money into subsidies yeah for inputs yeah we've moved from 10% uh 
uh, importing 10% of our food to about 17% currently mm. in about a, in less than, than a decade it means that is more pressure so uh, so import we need to give uh, subsidies on fertilizer we need to give uh, subsidies on all the other impo- inputs uh, that we have mm. then we need to bring back the extension services yeah so that those extension service workers can be able to help our farmers uh, improve on the yield then finally mm. yeah and for farmers what's most important is markets mm. yeah the same way we are saying that we will guarantee the uh, farmers in zambia patches of mm. their crops yeah let's guarantee our farmers that you finish farming there is a market yeah because what happens is you are told to grow maize yeah you grow maize and then uh you had been told it would be bought at uh 3000 shillings and then uh, the ncpb comes and says there's too much maize we'll buy it at 1000 shillings mm-hmm. you see you kill the spirit of these farmers so the same way you treat uh, those other farmers let's treat our farmers the same let's create the capacity uh, for actually uh, having a uh, uh, food reserves yeah uh, so that as we said if there is too much uh, maize this year mm. let's have stores uh, that we can stock uh, this this maize uh, for the next uh, two three years so that by that that time we are not struggling again uh, to bring to 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 bring in uh, imports then the cartelization of that sector and that line mm. there are too many cartels that are operating there yeah those cartels will never want us to be food sufficient they will always want to have those quotas to import their maize and uh, their millies and everything else uh, at that time mm. uh, if you ask yourself like we are looking at we are giving an example of edible oils last year alone we imported 90 billion shillings worth of edible oils mm. and we'll do the same this year yeah last year alone we imported 25 billion worth of rice we'll do the same this year mm. the amount of money we made exporting coffee yeah all of it went back uh, to importing to rice. Importing rice. Yeah. So we have to have a real conversation on food sufficiency mm. and we have to remove those middlemen and the cartels from the equation. Yeah. Let them do something else. Yeah. But on issues that are so pertinent and critical like food security, I think the government should act very firmly. How do you get rid of those cartels? When you say okay, so let's remove the cartels. What what ought to happen? They do not have to be part of policy. Mm. You see, if we come up with a, like the Galana Kulalu, mm. as we had said, is a project that would work. I believe that it actually can work. I was speaking to the chairman uh, of uh, NIB, National Irrigation Board, uh, last week. Mm. And we were speaking about this Galana Kulalu. And himself, he tells me this thing can work. Yeah, mm. It just needs the government one to put the right policies towards uh, its execution mm. to put money behind it and not to listen to anybody uh, who's trying to uh, drive it uh, the wrong direction we have a lot of people who will be willing to go there and farm yeah they just needs the government just needs to ensure that we have enough uh, water mm. uh, and uh, and then the people who are there they are rightly trained and then there's a market for their produce yeah the fight against this though will uh, come into you're fighting the private sector and uh, and the free business because when you talk about cartel it's not government this is a private sector that comes in how do you def- separate that fight against cartel as you still say that you know the way to advance our sector is to go more into PPPs working with the private sector to improve our food production 
but is government giving this uh, this private sector guys contracts to import mm. yeah so it's government so the corruption starts with government yeah so if they if they can say we need to reduce this import and give themselves targets and the president says you have targets we import more next year than we imported this year we fire you yeah and you sign there mm. next year you see that you've imported more you just tender your resignation and you're out we need someone who's firm the president has to be firm on it because mm. we cannot be talking about food sufficiency year in year out mm. we cannot be talking about the weakening of the shilling year in year out and we are seeing that we are importing nonsense that can actually be grown locally <laughs> can also be just okay the issue of market you talked about making it's sort of like guaranteeing our farmers that there'll be a market yes for off-taking yes is it also guaranteeing their income is this where the issue of guaranteed minimum income comes in yes it does explain and, that concept and it's not just in kenya if you talk about if you look at the us yeah the corn farmers have the guaranteed uptake uh, from government and the guarantee will be even from the national cereal produce board mm. yeah uh, we I, I was talking to the uh, the these uh, marketers uh, the the we have about 52 markets in nairobi mm. and uh, they they are telling me the biggest challenge is that uh, they when they, they they are selling things like the tomatoes and uh, fruits mm. in a few days then they are spoiled mm. yeah and they don't have an offtake for for them yeah which means that if these markets uh places could even have chillers yeah mm. or we because uh, the tomatoes uh when they ripen they these they can also be an optic because oh. they can make uh potato uh these uh, ketchups and all this yeah. yeah so so we have to think of uh for us to guarantee that's where the private sector comes in it's about value addition mm. actually value addition adds five times the value of the the produce yeah if you do the value addition mm. so so yes there is a way to guarantee yeah uh, we can guarantee directly as government for minimum guarantee on key crops like uh, what you're saying on cereals uh, because they go into the national reserves yeah and then on these others uh, you can come up with uh, the uh, value addition when i was a ps under planning uh, with uh, uh, what what we had proposed was actually uh, and we were, we, were, we had worked it out uh, with uh, uh, Kari, Kari and Calro. Mm. Yeah, uh, was actually putting up uh, these uh, chillers. Yeah, and uh, uh, across, uh, we had identified about nine locations uh, nation, uh, nationally where you'd have uh, people who know that once I harvest my uh, tomatoes, there's a place that I can take them. Yeah. Uh, for to, to be there even as i look for them for, for the market mm. my fruits uh, my sukumawiki and those things can actually be chilled for a period of even up to two weeks why yeah. doesn't it work i mean it, i'm just looking back at uh, if you look at the cooperatives the farmer cooperatives that had come up farmer cooperatives were doing all that aggregating and when, when you aggregate then you're able to first of all store then if the storage requires some sort of cold chain then the cooperative can put up a cold chain why did these things collapse because we had cooperatives that had started doing this we had cooperatives in milk that were doing that putting yeah, but everything you're saying we had cooperatives for was, potatoes that were starting to do cold chain done. yeah and they were slowly moving to the next level that we we're speaking of mm. and then suddenly we were back in the, to the dark ages yes 
because yeah the cooperative uh, is the best uh, in terms of aggregation yeah uh, but also for the cooperative to be able to aggregate then they they need to also have uh, enough volumes mm. yeah so sometimes the issue came up uh, because of rangos uh, leadership rangos you found another cooperative has opened so yeah people open cooperatives like churches yes yes <laughs> <laughs> they split they say we have another branch yeah, yeah? so it gets to a point where it's no longer Uh, making sense uh, for, uh, no longer viable but I, i think in terms of the cooperative movement that's actually an area that we we need to look at and uh, for purposes of aggregation uh, market and also value addition there's a concept that is often used by government it's called protectionism we had um, the ceo of bitco oil sitting exactly where you're sitting and he told us something interesting he said that the those who are in that business of manufacturing edible oils only use up to 65% of their capacity the ceo of the kenya Association of manufacturers told us something similar okay now that 65% of their capacity meets the needs that we have so when we say we are importing are we importing the base what you need to manufacture the edible oils or are we importing the finished product and if we are where does the government's role in ensuring that it protects its industries it protects its farmers coming because again with farmers countries are known to even pay farmers not to produce mm-hmm. for fear of a glut in some cases when they're protecting they make sure that a similar product being imported is so expensive that you'd rather buy the local one meaning local industry local uh, capacity is enhanced now in our planning i'm asking two questions one do we include such thoughts such aspirations and if we do why is it that we know them in theory but we never see them in practice um one i think of the 90 billion that's uh, available oils uh, i'd say more than 60% will be finished yeah uh, 67% will be finished Uh, edible boils uh, and actually that then brings the thoughts on on in issues of even that protectionism because it's important for for the economy yeah because you're not you cannot be going to build another person's economy mm. when you're killing yours yeah mm. if uh the the if the, the bidco and the others are at 65% if they were at 100 they'd use more uh, more fuel yeah they'd move, use more labor They'd, they'd pay the government they'd more, they'd pay taxes. more taxes yeah? yes things that we do not get from those other places mm-hmm. yeah less of our youth will be jobless yeah so there is a lot that comes with actually localizing our industries and our production so even the other day when we were speaking about the issues of the dollar uh, we were talking of we need to actually uh, restrict importation on some things that are unnecessary and that can be produced locally yeah and that way we help uh our shilling so from a planning point all those things are actually done yeah all these those things are looked at that's why i was saying the our biggest issue is not the planning it's the implementation at the port of mombasa and those things coming yeah mm-hmm. who is looking at you know, this implementation yeah. story though <laughs> because we hear it a lot yeah. a great deal the government plans and the government should implement so you're saying that the government plans but the government does not have the capacity or the willingness to implement yes the government you see planning uh, the reason why planning is not very difficult mm. 
is it brings brains together and everybody with all these great ideas uh, gets to put them in and they they are d- put in a very beautiful book mm. yeah uh, that's usually put in a shelf and g- gathers dust mm. the implementation sasa is what they say uh, ground mm-hmm. eh? <laughs> now this is the ground yeah and why is the disconnect the the disconnect is now at the ground yeah mm. everybody is trying to make a coin yeah so that's where you find i will allow you to bring in an extra container without even uh, registering it there yeah uh, i will allow you uh, to bring in something above a, a quarter mm. i will allow you to import duty free yeah because by the time you import something for a hundred million shillings they stand million for me mm. it's, so the implementation is is not just for the books it's actually uh, has there's real financial significance for some people yeah and where that's where the issues of corruption come in so that's where corruption now yes. corruption man, runs our implementation yes you know the story of edible rolls is a sad one it's mm. sad because as far back as 1974 we had a blueprint of what to do mm. why we had looked at india india had moved from being an importer to meeting their their, their their domestic consumption even exporting in a period of three years why they looked at the fundamentals of producing this edible oil what seeds do you need what cereals do you all that mm. and they had a plan for growing it we had something similar we had cashew nuts at the coast we talked about we talked about mm. There was even a movement and even a unit an agency formed by government to ensure that this thing was done but it died of course now right now we hear talks of we want to go and grow palm palm oil palm trees palm whatever it is, whatever it is in Uganda and I'm thinking for heaven's sake mm. why is it that our story is always something we're going to do in the future and yet the reality is this very thing we're talking about doing in the future we had already done we had a blueprint for it and we not we killed it now you're talking about cartels these cartels are people who live in this country and individuals who must have influence because it is not possible for you to circumvent a government policy if you don't have power yeah So it means that the very people who tell us they want to implement the policies in government they are the very very people who are the cartels. That's the only thing that we're being told because mm. I'm listening, I'm looking, I'm saying who has the power to say one thing and do the complete opposite and nothing happens to them? Somebody in authority. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we conclude, yeah. Let's conclude the conversation. I don't have got to ask you this political question. So Farmers Party Kriopa Malala is uh, appointed UDA Secretary General. He immediately embarks on a conversation of uh, let's build a giant party. And he says let's see how we can consolidate all the affiliate parties of Azimio. And then there's all hue and cry, Salim Davidi of ANC says or whatever Ford Kenya says this and the other. One day Kriopa Malala says actually there are parties that are already uh, having conversations with DA they are folding up so that they can now join UDA. Mm-hmm. One party was Farmers Party. So is Farmers Party still in existence or has Farmers Party folded to join UDA? You know the, we when we were told about uh the politics of uh <laughs> is it chicanery and and, and all this crookedness mm. and crooked that it has ended we, were, we we thought that it it had. Mm. 
you see we were, we had uh, we were called for a meeting just to discuss the issues of Kenya Kwanza mm. yeah and how as Kenya Kwanza we can have more activities how we can come together we can form a secretariat yeah mm. for how we operationalize our activities and really building to 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 the future and uh, we had a beautiful meeting a closed door meeting mm. then when the meeting ended uh, we were told by the way where the, the media is here mm. uh, let's just go address the media mm -hmm. so when we are addressing the media the statement uh, is there has been being has been written it's being read is saying that these six parties have agreed to fold they'll start dissolving next week they'll see the registrar and they will no longer be there and you are yeah. brother, you are seated you are seated there and then now after the statement you're told okay you speak <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for me i said we are happy to be in a partnership yeah uh, but i didn't say anything about uh, that we have dissolved and later on we issued a statement as farmers party and said we we are not merging we have not merged we are not part of uda we are not dissolving and we remain a party to represent farmers and Kenyans. So that had not even been an agenda for that meeting? No, it was not an agenda. So we didn't even know where it came from. But you know, again, you cannot disrespect the president's party. <laughs> <laughs> so you just have to, to keep quiet uh, until the end of it. And then, uh, and then from there now you come and have to answer to Kenyans and to my members. My members were, were livid. Asking me, why have you dissolved our party? Without yeah. asking us Without first. asking us. Uh, with the, the same thing we are saying, public participation. Mm. <laughs> you, have <to> ensure, <laughs> you have to ensure that. And the same, the minister has to ensure public participation before taking us to Zambia. Irongo, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Irongo Nyakera is the party leader of Farmers Party, which is not dissolving, like he says, which is not folding, which has not gone to the register of political parties or anything. We've been talking about food security in this country. How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>